0: Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm proud to be your host here on the podcast. I'm a retail transformation specialist, and I work as a consultant and an advisor directly with retailers, helping to drive positive transformation initiatives, whether that's adding an element of acceleration to power up progress or assisting to navigate the way, almost as a thinking partner, to find the most effective route through this challenging and turbulent market. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This one is episode 243, number 243. And in this challenging and turbulent market, consumers are very much still feeling the pinch from the cost of living crisis. With mortgage rates, food bills, energy bills and every other cost very much increased and inflated. And yet with salary increases failing to keep pace with that inflation, consumers are seeing a shrinking disposable income. You know, if you look at the charts, inflation took over wage growth back in November 2021 for the UK. And that inflation has continued to stay quite significantly above that wage rate for over one and a half years now. So consumers are really feeling this strain, this pressure. And their available cash left in the pocket at the end of the month to spend on retail is declining every single month at the moment. And so retailers and consumers, for that matter, are left with a balancing act of volume versus value. Given that consumers have a shrinking disposable income, do they trade down? and buy a similar volume of goods at a lower value? Or do they keep the same value and buy a lower volume? Or can retailers support them and work out a way to reduce the costs and offer consumers the best of both worlds, the same volume for the same value? Or are retailers just going to take the margin hit and, again, still deliver for customers, but on lower margins? And, of course, retail's already pretty slim margins (laughs) – And so that final option becomes rather difficult. Or if you do pursue that option, then you end up into profitability challenges, of course. Now, if you are looking for cost savings, then looking at that cost of goods sold cogs can be a quick and effective way of realising cost savings, especially if you've not renegotiated prices recently. However, chances are that given the last three years we've had, you may have already had conversations with your suppliers about unit costs. It's also likely that your suppliers are also facing quite severe financial pressures and challenges from raw materials, labour, shipping, etc. At which point it's going to be a hard and slow challenge to remove cost from your cogs, but it's still worth going after that. You're going to need to think about how you can work collaboratively across your suppliers and across your supply base and look at the whole global supply chain to minimise effort, duplication, wastage, and maybe even find a few synergies by pooling your supplier ecosystem and getting your supplier base to work together as well. But for today's episode, I want to think about an alternative route for cutting costs. Looking at your variable operating costs and your non variable costs as well can be an effective route to streamline the business and where you have more control over it rather than having to work with at least one other third party company and get those proverbial ducks lined up in a row. So, in today's episode, that's what we're diving into how you can be a little bit more thrifty in this challenging environment to uh, ultimately thrive. The show notes from today are over at obandco.uk slash 243. And head on over there, I'm going to put that inflation chart that we spoke about earlier, especially for the UK. And I'm also going to include the opportunity to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing. Now, if you listen to the podcast and are not already signed up for this briefing, why not? I would love to know. If you're not familiar with what it is, the Retail Transformation Briefing is a weekly email that I send direct to you and it details out key retail transformation headlines, innovations, and a little bit of inspiration from around the world with the aim of supporting you to drive effective and positive change. It's absolutely free. So head straight on over to obandco.uk 243. Or reach out to me by email oliver.banks at or message me on LinkedIn and let me know that you would like to subscribe to the Retail Transformation Briefing and that you want to keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the ever-evolving world of retail. So on with the show today. You may have heard the phrase, you can't cost cut your way to growth. And that is absolutely true but I do have three arguments against it. Firstly, whilst you can't cut your way to growth, you can free up valuable resources and cash to reinvest and ultimately drive growth. So it can enable growth, albeit part of a two-step process. Secondly, whilst you might not be able to grow the top line through cost-cutting, you can absolutely grow the bottom line. Operational cost-cutting has a significant benefit to the bottom line. Very often, straight through, depending on where you take your profit numbers from, if you save a million pounds off your operating costs, you've got a million pounds extra in your profit pot at the end of the year. And then finally, cost cutting can also lead to simplification, which can help focus the business and your customer's attention. It cuts out confusion, cuts out duplication, and You could certainly make a case for growth, although it's unlikely to be your core aim for simplifying the business. But, like I say, cost cutting absolutely can be used for reinvestment and positive change, as well as adding a healthy boost to the profitability. And you might also feel that cost cutting isn't transformation here on the Retail Transformation Show, right? Again, I'd challenge you on that, especially. If that cost cutting results in a transformation of financial performance, which in the most extreme case keeps a business trading rather than lets a business fail, that is transformative, right? It is changing the future. Additionally, cost cutting can have a big incremental benefit. As you layer on several different initiatives, you see those costs mount up in a good way, <laughs> and you get A sizable saving at the end of the day, which again can transform the business, although any one individual cost saving might be quite small in the grand scheme of things. So, whilst it might not be very popular to appreciate cost cutting, I do hope that it stays in your arsenal. I do hope that cost cutting continues to be an approach that you can take to transform the business for the better. And so, today we're going to look at four different ways that you can approach a cost cutting strategy. And the good news is on the whole, they're not mutually exclusive except for the first two, which you could argue were one or the other. So without further ado, let's jump straight on in. And the first approach to help with your cost cutting is to look at heat maps. Gather data around where your costs are being spent and then go to work on analysis. Interrogate that heat map What does productivity look like? Where is the revenue per cost? Where is the profit per cost? And you're going to need to be more and more intelligent about this as we go on, especially as we move into more omnichannel ways of working. For example, we know that the cost of running a store delivers not only the cash that comes in or the sales that come in through the checkout, right? We know that there is an e-commerce benefit either through collections or pick from store or even just general awareness in the local area. So actually, as you are interrogating the cost heat map about aspects like productivity and where profit in particular is generated, do remember to think about your omni-channel benefits. With all of this data about your costs in a heat map, look at trends over time. Consider which areas are growing or shrinking relative to others does this feel right? Are there opportunities where you are seeing a massive spike or trough that could inspire you to look a little closer? Check against your competitive benchmarking. Where are competitors running leaner than you? Now, of course, you're not going to be able to get competitive costs quite so easily as you can your own. And probably a caveat is sometimes getting your own costs can be quite challenging as well, but do persevere with that. But look through competitive financial records if they are sharing those on a public basis. Look at doing some real-life competitor benchmarking. Where are their processes leaner than your processes? And consider also your non-competitive companies as well. These are companies that are similar to you. Maybe they serve a similar customer base or they have an equivalent operating model complexity, although they're in a completely non-competitive arena. Maybe it's a completely different category, for example. And it may be worth reaching out to people and networking to see if there are ways you can collaborate and learn from each other. I've certainly helped organize non-competitive networking sessions in the past, not sharing data, of course, but doing some operational meet and greets, showing how stores work, how warehouses work, etc. And they can be richly valuable. And then the other aspect that you want to consider as you're looking at your cost heat map is to understand where the cost levers are. What are the drivers of cost? What sends those variable costs significantly upwards and what sends them significantly downwards? And maybe those levers are not elements that you're thinking about right now, but they absolutely are in there. You know, delivery frequency is a a cracking example of that and you can cross reference those levers with all the other analysis that you're doing around productivity for example and so heat maps can be incredibly useful to help assess where your costs lie and focus your attention maybe even target in your big numbers you're going to want to play the scope card depending on your remit you know for example you may look at your costs and find out that store rents are a, a massive cost for your business and maybe You have already scrutinized these costs over the last seven or eight years. Maybe you've already taken up a rent renegotiation or cut off the long tail of unprofitable stores. And so with that level of detail, it's only a decision that you can come up with knowing your business and knowing the history. Maybe you decide in this example to say, actually, you know what, store rents, we have looked at that. We have undergone a rigorous program, so we're going to put them out of scope. Great chop them out of the heat map, and now look at the the rest of the pie. And keep removing elements down until you get to your real actionable core, and then you can start the analysis. So do make sure that you're focused on the right scope of what is in your control and in your influence. So going to town on cost heat maps is option number one. Option number two, and this is where the exclusive side comes in, It's thinking around zero-based budgeting or zero-based costing or cost management. The whole idea of this is rather than starting with all of your data and saying, where am I spending my money? Is you start with a blank sheet of paper and say, where can I justify the costs to put in part of the operation? And you build up your budgets or your costs from scratch, from a blank sheet of paper. Now, this needs to be a really highly focused activity tightly controlled, because it is very easy to go down that rabbit hole and start to challenge all parts of the business. You know, Really interrogating the business model, for example. How do we sell and how do we cost and how do we create profit? Challenging the company's strategy, for example, as to what is valuable. Challenging even the company's purpose and the role that the company plays within the wider world. Now, I'm sure that's a good conversation, but the question is, Is it within your scope? Is it within your remit? Does it help with the challenge that is in front of you? We're going to come back to that a little later on. But if you do let that scope go, you could be in for a great conversation that goes nowhere. So make sure that if you are thinking about zero-based budgeting or zero-based costing, tighten that scope and be very controlled and rigorous to stay focused. Now, what I really like about this zero-based approach is that it tackles and challenges the inherent costs that do get baked into any given company operating model and business model, and they're never challenged. And yet there they lie as a non-valuable expense. You know, sometimes it's because that cost line is simply not understood. Sometimes it's because no one is focused on it or no one has responsibility for it. And as you go through this zero-based budgeting, it really allows you to get into all parts of the relevant business and say, what do we really need? What's the bare minimum here? Now, maybe you want to be doing this zero-based approach on an annual level at one extreme, where you're continually justifying, continually evolving the business. I would suggest that might be a bit over the top for a huge frontline workforce like we have in retail, but you might want to continually refresh part of your operating model. You know, choose a very limited scope and start with a zero-based approach for this year on this small segment. And then next year, we're going to do a different segment and you go round the entire business. That keeps the momentum going. It keeps the skill set alive and the language alive as well. And of course, you could do this as just a one-off activity, right? A proverbial spring clean off your operating model, go into town on it. Moving on to our third option is to take more of a Lean Six Sigma mindset and think about identifying waste. Now, in the last episode of the podcast, episode 242, we dived into Lean Six Sigma and I made a case as to why I think you should reinvigorate your Lean Six Sigma methodology within your company. It's often thought of as a cost-cutting tool which given this episode sounds great, right? (laughs) But it's much more than that. There are real opportunities to use Lean Six Sigma for understanding and delivering customer value. And it can help simplify the business as well. Finding efficiencies, discovering and allowing you to cut out waste. Last week, I highlighted the Tim Wood tool to help discover waste. This week, I'm going to suggest you take a Gemba walk to identify the opportunities. Now this is a Japanese word which essentially is telling you to go and see the operation in real life. And retail's so perfect for this. We have operations that go on sometimes 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, so there is no excuse not to get in there, right? I've run loads of different workshops with clients to help organize different gamba walks to get into stores, warehouses, even head office operations for leadership, or for different functional and cross-functional groups, to experience the operation, to discover how the reality of the operating model works, and along the way, identify a number of different opportunities to simplify, streamline, reduce costs, improve effectiveness, finding ways to excite and delight the customer, finding ways to improve the colleague experience as well. And there's a healthy dose of teamwork in there as well. So consider how you could take on a Gemba walk. And if you'd like to talk about how you could build that in to your company, target your team on having a most effective experience here, then reach out oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And I'd love to chat through some of the options as to how you could set this up. Also, as you hunt out waste with the Lean Six Sigma mentality, rather than a full on Gemba walk, you may choose to do more observations and work studies. This allows you to see and understand the operation as it is working. Not hands-on, but you can find big opportunities. Again, I've done this with clients. I'm thinking back to an example, working on an e-commerce picking operation and identifying the bottlenecks around how boxes were being constructed, for example, or how multi-item orders were being collated and prepared for packing. These are only the sort of things that you can see if you step back and take a a critical look at the operation. And they can lead to some super quick win opportunities, as well as some longer term opportunities to simplify the operation, streamline the process, cut costs, or focus on the customer based on what your objectives are. So, taking on a lean Six Sigma mindset to cut out waste is our next and third approach to cost cutting. And then finally, take a look at the end-to-end and do a deep dive analysis there. Now, this is slightly different than what we've just discussed with doing, for example, the Gemba Walk, because you are looking further than the process. You are looking upstream and downstream. Maybe that takes you into collaborating with suppliers and discovering how you work together, where the handoffs are, if there is duplication or non-value-add work that is going on because you just don't realize. Maybe it allows you to interrogate the full costs and see what is the true profitability of any given product. Maybe you've got a whole range of different unprofitable products or SKUs or even categories, right? But until you look at that full end-to-end cost, you just can't tell that. It's a great way to work cross-functionally, break down those silo walls, within the business, but also working cross-functionally outside the business, like I say, with your suppliers, maybe even with your customers as well. Shock horror. And all of this collaboration brings in more perspective, more experience. And together, you'll be working closer, which is fantastic for the long term. But in the short term, you'll be recognising opportunities that just didn't exist before. You never realised they were there. Sometimes some big opportunities as well. And if you're thinking about getting into this, end-to-end analysis, then a start-stop-continue exercise can be a very useful, very simple and basic tool just to get started. And like I say, you can blend many of these different techniques as well, because it's highly likely that if you're on a cost-cutting program, all of the quick wins have long gone. And it's probably not been long enough for more quick wins to regrow on that proverbial low-hanging fruit tree, right? But as we think about cost-cutting, and even rebalancing the P&L, right, at the end of the day, you also need to consider the urgency factor as well. If you are suddenly finding yourself chasing the year-end numbers and you suddenly need to find millions of pounds or euros or dollars, whatever, to bring in those end-of-year numbers, then that's going to be a very different approach than if you're looking for a longer-term continuous improvement approach because if you are needing to respond to an urgent request for cash, then you really need to inquire and challenge if that need for cash matches the business's appetite. I've been in a number of different conversations where there is a big contradiction here. You know, the business wants to find money, but it doesn't want to take some extreme cost-cutting approaches. It doesn't have that appetite, like I say. So you suddenly find yourself with a A load of good ideas all being rejected. Now, that's fine and dandy because at the end of the day, it does need to be feasible for the business. And if the appetite within the board is not there, it's not there. And it's definitely a good idea to assess where that appetite lies, assess what sort of changes the business would be open to taking. And it's definitely worthwhile saving all of those rejected ideas as well. Because the appetite can change as the situation develops. So what was once an unpalatable cost saving might later on look rather tasty. But it all depends on that business urgency and where it sits within the bigger picture and the broader strategy. So there are four ideas that we've discussed today to help you drive cost out from your operating model. And if that's where you're at if you need to drive cost out from your retail operating model or if you're looking for some support to facilitate some of these activities for example the gemba walks or some of the other elements we've discussed today or perhaps you're just looking for a fresh set of eyes the challenge where the value and the waste exists in your operation then do reach out email me at oliver.banks@obandco.uk or message me on LinkedIn, and let's have a conversation and explore how you can cut costs. Now, I've got one other element that you must consider with this cost-cutting mindset. But before we get there, I just wanted to highlight three other episodes for you to listen to next. In the last episode, episode 242, I mentioned I was talking about reinvigorating Lean Six Sigma in retail, and I absolutely encourage you to check that out and challenge yourself if it's time for your organisation to re-embrace Lean Six Sigma. In episode 235, it was fantastic to catch up with Trevelli and Collier from EY as we were talking about profit warnings and transformation. And then finally, back in episode 182, I was exploring how you can overcome stress with science. Now, this is a little different, but cost-saving And even being in a cost-saving mentality can be super stressful. There are some big decisions, often not particularly pleasant decisions to make. And this can all lead to stress and negative emotion. And so in this episode, I'm exploring how you can overcome some of those negative emotions with a few different brain hacks and tricks and a little bit of personal psychology. So check out that one. I'm going to put all three of those On the show notes today at obandco.uk/243, where you can also sign up for the retail transformation briefing and find my contact details. If I can help you drive cost out of your retail operating model, now the one other factor with cost cutting, and it sounds really rather obvious when you say it out loud, but again, it's a tricky one. Those costs must actually be cut. They must be bankable in air quotes. Because if you are just looking at small little process improvements that shave off genuine time, they do make it faster, absolutely, where no one is disputing it. But where, for example, you could not say we're going to reduce hours down because it's only saving two minutes of someone's time. That's just not bankable. Yes, it improves efficiency. But no, it's not a cost cut, so to speak. And unless you have a huge number of those to pull together into this incremental transformation, that is not really a genuine saving, right? And it's an easy trap to fall into, particularly if you are doing elements like Gemba walks and so on, where you could find deficiencies, absolutely. But if you can't realize them, if you can't turn them into actual banknotes and coins in a proverbial manner, then it's not a real cost saving. Look harder, look elsewhere go back to those four techniques we discussed today and find more opportunities. So whilst cost cutting isn't palatable, it does genuinely drive a huge amount of value for businesses, both in the retail sector and elsewhere. And it can be transformative. So I would wish you the very best of luck. And I can't wait to hear from you about your thoughts on this episode. Hit subscribe if you're a new podcast listener. And if you've listened to a few of these, then why not tell someone else to check out the podcast as well? I would be eternally grateful even if you just told a single one person this week. Thanks for listening and I'll join you on another episode very, very soon. Bye for now.